Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, it's 2019. This is our very first podcast. My name is Oscar Way, I'm Senior Economist at the California Association of Realtors. And I'm Jordan Levine. Well, I uh, hope everyone had a great holiday. I know it's, uh, it's a... Uh, New Year, uh, we had a lot of challenges at the end of last year that continues on in 2019, and that's why we're here. We want to share some information and give you some good insights about what's going on in the uh, housing market and what you can use in the upcoming year. Now we are we are um, we have three a uh, few things to talk about. Um, let's kind of go over you know what we're going to talk about first. Yeah, so we're going to talk about all the major things that have pretty much happened since the last time we were with you what's happened in the housing market and what we know about the full year of 2018 now that we have the december numbers in we're going to talk about the impact of the campfires and, right. and the wildfires more generally across the state but the campfire in specific and then i think the last one would be uh what we need to know about the government shutdown right we can't ignore the shutdown i mean of course you know i thought it was going to be just a week two weeks but i thought wrong Course. Right, and so we'll get into that towards the end. All right, well, so let's talk about the uh, an update first because we just released our press release, our December number, um, on a week ago, right? Yeah, I can't believe it's already a week. These weeks are going by quick, but uh, unfortunately, it's it's more of the same in terms of what we saw towards the end of the year, right? Sales continued to struggle. They were down by um, double digits. They didn't continue to accelerate, which I think is is one of the bright spots. It seemed like sales were falling by more and more and more during the second half of the year. Um, that did moderate, but was still about an 11 point something percent decline in December. And so transactions are still having a tough time out there. Yeah, very similar to what we saw in November. Uh, this is actually the third month that we experienced double-digit uh, decline in sales. Now, I think I just want to uh, uh, put it out there, uh, this uh, little side note. I know if you look at just the state number, yeah, it dropped like 11%, 12%. But if you look at some of the regional numbers, it seems like it's dropped more significantly. Uh, one thing that I want to point out is, um, you know, if you, uh, the state number we normally seasonally adjust. But the regional numbers, we don't. And for December 2018, it's actually has one fewer transaction date than uh, December 2017. So I just want to put that out there. Let it's not as out. bad as it looks on that. Right. <laughs> Still double digit. Yeah. Still double digit. Now, I mean, I, I, I was wondering, I mean, I said it last uh, podcast. Okay, well, in November, we saw interest rate peaked in um, the mid of November. Then it looks like it started declining a little bit. Now, part of the reason for some of the interest rates movement is, I mean, December, we don't usually see the stock market fluctuating like seven, eight hundred points a day. Yeah, it's supposed to be the quiet time, right? And, and I, exactly. I mean, everyone should be shopping during their holiday season thing. But, you know, we saw those volatility. And so, you know, interest rate, I guess you can say that's a silver lining, right? That's kind of that flip side of, of the coin, right? Is that some people maybe lost some money in the stock market or at least have a lot of uncertainty out there. But uh, from a buyer standpoint, we got a bit of a reprieve and that actually helps on the demand side. Right. So I would think, okay, well, you know, interest rate went down. So, you know, people should be going into the market trying to buy. Right. Uh, but that's not exactly the case for sales. 
That's right. I mean, well, you know, you can't ever underestimate the the impact of the wealth effect, right? So if your portfolio is going all over the map and you make 50 grand one day and lose 100 grand the next day and then make half of it back and so forth, um, you know, it doesn't give you a lot of confidence about just where your own individual balance sheet's at and maybe makes you a little bit nervous about making big ticket expenditures like a home. Yeah, and, and I think that kind of is consistent with what we have seen, what you have pointed out in the past also that the higher price segments, the high-end segments, seems to be uh, having some softening effect lately in recent months. Yeah, and I mean, that was the the segment that was really carrying California. I mean, sales have been down or flat for a number of years, but that was really because we were having sales fall at the bottom end of the market where there was no supply, and that was being offset by growth at the top end. Luxury sales were still growing even up into the beginning um, of last year, but as you've seen the top end of the market start to uh, apply the brakes a little bit, what you've seen is that that's led to bigger declines in the aggregate number for all statewide because those low-end units are still in decline, but uh-huh. now we don't have that extra kind of shot in the arm that we had been enjoying from, from luxury homes. Yeah, and I'm not surprised you know, if that you know, stock market started fluctuating in December, which doesn't usually happen at the end of the year, it affects the, uh, the, the high-end. It's not a, whole, uh, a, a surprise to me I mean, of course, I was still hoping that interest rate would bring back sales, but uh, it did not happen. I yeah. know. Unfortunately, I... when you draw a Venn diagram of people who are invested <laughs> in the stock market and folks who are out there investing in luxury homes, there's probably a, a pretty good size overlap there in those two pies. Yeah, and the same thing, I mean, of course, when you have soft demand, of course, it uh, affects home prices as well. I think uh, we've said it last time, home prices have gone from you know, up 10% or close to 10% now to 1.5%. Right. Yeah, and that's that's tough, you know, and I think that also feeds into this kind of consumer confidence element that we're seeing out there where even though rates have come down and the economy is still holding up uh, relatively good shape with, you know, obviously accepting the, the stock markets, but that hasn't gotten people... Uh, back into the market, and I think the the slow growth in prices kind of leads to the self fulfilling prophecy where folks are are having a lot of uncertainty about the economy and and the stock market and housing prices, and then you see that kind of lack of demand start to feed into actually slower growth in home prices. So it kind of reaffirms their their notion that that things maybe aren't as good as they seem. And so um, I expect probably prices to remain pretty soft, and I think that's what we're forecasting for for this year, but. This is kind of the big shift from what we saw in 2017, right? Now that the dust settled on 2018 is that um, sales have been struggling for a long time, but mostly because of a lack of supply. Last year uh, was the first time that we really saw indications that this started to bleed over onto demand. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much across the board. When you look at, you would think the more robust area like the San Francisco Bay Area would have a, uh, a stronger hold. Uh, in terms of price, in terms of sales, uh, obviously that's not exactly the case. I looked at you know the San Francisco Bay Area for Santa Clara specifically. It actually dropped uh, by eleven percent in uh, terms 11, of price. In terms of price, right. I, was, I was a little surprised. Again, I uh, attribute part of it to the fact that you know the wealth effect in the stock market could be a, 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 have an impact, uh, but also you know the. Fast or rapid, you know, drop in in price uh, kind of concern me a little bit. Even though it's still growing for some areas in in the Bay Area, but it's not uh, for for not for Santa Clara. If you look at uh, Southern California, it's not as bad, but um, 
I mean, we, we, we're seeing some growth, uh, very small growth though, but still, uh, it's definitely worth concerning. The area that I think might be a little bit better is the more affordable areas such as Central Valley. Right. Yeah, I mean, we still have that kind of imbalance where we have these markets that have um, seen affordability deteriorate so much that it makes other counties, by comparison, still look pretty attractive. And I think that's kind of putting some wind in the sails. But, you know, the other big shift, I think, that we saw is on the inventory front, right? Uh, right, that's, that's true. And we are seeing, I know we have been saying, you know, for throughout the year, we are, for active listing specifically, we're seeing double-digit growth. And in November and in December, uh, the inventory or active listings went all the way up by 30 plus percentage. Which is crazy. I mean, we've been talking for years about the lack of inventory and how that's really constraining realtors' ability to do business, of consumers' ability to kind of achieve that, that dream of home ownership. And, and now that's finally started to turn and it hasn't kind of materialized into these rising sales. And again, I think that just underscores that there is a demand side to this this equation now where folks are are either unable or unwilling to jump into the market for for a variety of reasons and i think you know a 30 percent increase in the number of active listings is huge and that's why you right. see competition getting less so homes are taking longer to sell you're seeing sellers actually have to start discounting again which we haven't seen uh in in many years and i know you know again that's the statewide number plus 30 percent um, but in some markets, like I was just up in the Bay Area last week, and you know, in in places like Marin and Sonoma in the North Bay, I think listings were up by like eighty percent, which is you know, in some places it's it's really going crazy. Yeah, I mean, if you look at our regional slide, uh, which we have posted on the Sierra website, I think you're absolutely right. The San Francisco Bay Area, and on average, up sixty some percent. 60-some percent. Southern California up, I think, 35, 40%. And then, of course, all the other regions, major regions, are also up double digits. So, yes, it, it is pretty significant. And we are only looking at, of course, those active listings are um, single-family. Right. The condo market also increased quite a bit. I don't have that number right in front of me, but uh, also up quite a bit. So it's safe to say, I mean, supply in 2019 probably will maintain that same level or maybe even higher right you know assuming that sales would drop we're expecting sales to drop right yep sales to go down a bit and i think price growth to be relatively flat and i think part of that price story is also just on the on the supply front right an 80 percent growth in active listings in the north bay means that consumers have almost twice as many options you know choices basically and so when you have um, a lot more choices you don't need to be out there bidding on houses like crazy and really driving up those home prices which is why again i think you're seeing um, prices slow down just purely because these sellers are having to compete with each other over buyers now which hasn't been the case for a long time yeah the, the, the thing is you know when we look at you know the current housing market condition as compared to what we saw in 2007 2008 it's a little different i mean it's it's the economic fundamentals and you know if you look at rates if you look at just you know interest rates compared to 2007 2008 we're still maybe about a, a 150 basis point below what it was before right um and economic fundamentals look pretty decent yeah with, i mean in san francisco we're talking about like 2.1 percent unemployment which is unheard of so i mean i think it is not necessary you know the oh okay the the economy is collapsing and everything it's just you know the getting the, the, the buyers and sellers to realize, okay, well, there, here's the market situation. Let's come to the table talk about, you know, home prices. 
let's take figure out get rid of all those uncertainties right. and then we can see if the market will go back up yeah and i think that's why we're you know it's important to note that even though we do think that the market's challenging and will remain difficult um, we're also not forecasting that things are going to get um, incredibly bad over the next 12 months because like you said the economy is still doing well we've got like a 45 year low on the unemployment front people are still working and making money uh, and that's why you know you, we have our forecast here which calls for sales to be down about seven percent right prices to be relatively flat this year but that's our you know our likely case but even in our worst case and this is something I, I think I can't stress enough is to not panic because even in our worst case scenario we have you know sales only down about 10 12 percent and about a six percent decline in in prices and so yes the market's challenging but no you don't need to to panic or to read too much into these juicy newspaper headlines because the the economy which is the number one driver of the housing market overall uh, is still in pretty decent shape yeah um and you know of course these numbers uh, is uh, uh, they are in the statewide number right i mean if you look at some of the regional numbers um if you look at, I want to point out specifically what happened in um, uh, Neo Paradise. Right, yeah, and I think it's a, a good transition to, to jump into the impact of the campfire because um, this kind of adds another wrinkle into, uh, into the types of things that we're seeing in the market right now, which is all, already somewhat challenging. Yeah, I mean, if the, at the end of last year, you know, it was unfortunate because of the disaster, the campfire disaster uh, in, in within the area of Butte County. Uh, so the Paradise, actually, there were a lot of homes destroyed. Uh, uh, I believe close to 20,000 homes being destroyed. A lot of people were uh, displaced. Um, but at the same time, yes, Paradise sales actually went down significantly, 50%, 60% down. But if you look at the surrounding area, uh, we started so we started seeing significant increase in sales in Chico, Oroville, uh, even Glenn County and um, Tehama County. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, what what you end up seeing and this is kind of consistent with the analysis that I did, I guess it was almost a year ago now looking at things like the Thomas fire right. uh, and, the, and the other fire up in uh, the Sonoma area, I guess, a year or two ago. And what you see is that that immediate area has a huge decline in, in sales subsequent to the fires. It starts to rebound uh, eventually, but I think this this issue that you bring up around Paradise where it's just this kind of displacement effect is making a, a tight housing market in places like Chico and, and Orville um, already that much tighter, right? It was already pretty exactly. low levels of inventory and fairly competitive, and now you've got these thousands and thousands of people um, who are basically displaced from Paradise who come in and, and make the market that much more competitive. And I guess we see that showing up in the price numbers and the competition stats, right? Yeah, Realtor.com actually said, you know, in um, either December, I think it's in December, Realtor.com said Chico actually was the hottest market. But it's not the right for the right reason. Right. It's, uh, it's not necessarily due to this, you know, really booming economy and all these new jobs being created. It was that, uh, you know, basically with the snap of a finger, we went from, you know, a, a relatively moderate-sized uh, economy to one that grew by, you know, 30 or 40 percent just kind of overnight. Yeah, I mean, not just on sales, but price-wise also, 20, 30 percent in terms of uh, price in Chico, uh, in some of the other areas, and that actually may go on for a little bit longer. Uh, and it's tough, you know, for people who are displaced also, because you know, all of a sudden, even if they were trying to buy a home, you know, they have to now pay a higher price. Right. 
Um, even for the renters. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that a lot of those folks who are displaced are out there renting, so it's pushing up rents uh, and prices. The one thing I will say, though, is that these do seem to be, um, you know, temporary effects. We right, haven't obviously right. had a perfect example um, similar to the, the kind of level of devastation. I mentioned the Thomas fire and the fires up in Sonoma, uh, which were very bad, but but relative, you know, if you look at the percentage of the town that was destroyed in those fires relative mm -hmm. to paradise. It's a much more severe uh, hit to this smaller town. But I do think that, you know, the, the thing to keep in mind on these things is that they don't necessarily wipe out the underlying demand. This is really um, something that really strongly impacts the supply side of the equation, obviously, as those homes are, are burned up and not available um, to sell. But those folks still are working in Chico and Sacramento and Butte and Sutter and all these other places. Um, they still have, you know, income and need housing. It's just that, you know, there there isn't the supply there. And so that's why you see prices deteriorate and things like that. But ultimately, I think, you know, over the long run and given just the tightness of supply across the entire state, that areas like that will eventually, I think, bounce back. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, it will. they will uh, start having some newer housing Obviously, you know, there will be some price adjustment, but uh, hang in there, guys. I know, you know, it's uh, it's tough, you know, out there. So our hearts goes out to uh, the victims and everyone get affected in the area. Yeah, I mean, Joel Singer, our CEO, went out there and surveyed the damage and um, sent back, you know, the pictures and the stories. And, and it's just absolutely devastating. And so, um, you know, we're with you guys. And uh take heart that at least the economy is doing well and, and we have seen markets start to bounce back after episodes like this. Absolutely. Now, uh, let's go back to, you know, our state, sort of our state level. I mean, we talked about, or state or the uh, national level, we talked about, you know, the economy doing very well, pretty decent right now, that, but that's only under the assumption that <laughs> the current situation with the federal government shutdown is not going to prolong forever. Right. Yeah, so give us some, some kind of background on, on what's going down with the, with the shutdown right now. Sure. Now, it happened starting in the last week of December. As of uh, the midnight of December, we had a government shutdown, a partial federal government shutdown, because the president and the Congress, they were not able to come to an agreement on uh, the, uh, the funding, the, uh, the continued resolution to funding the, the federal government. Of course, uh, to keep things very, very simple, the president wants the $5.7 billion to build the wall. The, the Congress, you know, they don't have that funding. They don't, they're not approving that funding. So right. what happened was a government shutdown, a federal government shutdown. Yeah. Now, that affects a lot of government agencies. Yeah, but why do we care about that here? I mean, I know me and you like to nerd out on this stuff all the time just as, as economists, but I think from, from a member's standpoint, the reason why we're talking about this here on this podcast is because it, it affects certain aspects of the way we do uh, business, right? Absolutely. So some, some of the government federal uh, uh, agencies, including IRS and the HUD. Now, IRS, uh, the first week, it, it was closed in the first week. The reason why we're concerned about our IRS is some people who uh, apply for mortgage, they need to verify income from IRS. Right. So that actually got delayed, you know, because when the IRS government, uh, IRS div, uh, division shut down, people cannot get approval of the mortgage application. So that delays some of the mortgage applications. Right. Now, HUD also is another uh, agencies, but it may not necessarily affect you know, California as much. But there's also USDA, there's also FHA loans. FHA, VA. VA, yes. FHA loan actually, you know, in the last few years since 2008, 2009 has become a big part of, you know, California's mortgage mortgage uh, uh, 
borrowing and lending. Yeah, especially as the first time home buyers have started to come back. Ex- yeah, definitely. So uh, FHA did not, uh, the agency of FHA actually did not close down, but they actually have a much smaller, a, a smaller staff right now because of the partial federal government uh, shutdown. So it delay some of the closing. Um, if you take a look at, NAR actually did a survey um, on um, the first week, after the first week of this government shutdown. Right. And those surveys sent out, you know, like maybe about, uh, get to about 2,000 responses wow. from members of CAR or members of NAR. And they asked the question, you know, whether the uh, government shutdown has any impact, any impact on, on sales. Right. Now, most people said no. Now, keep in mind, this is the first week. This is was done in the first week of the shutdown. Right. So it hadn't gone on and become the longest shutdown uh, that, in history. Exactly. Things might have changed a little bit recently, but at least gives us a sense of, of where those impacts might be felt. Absolutely. So 75% actually said no, there was no, there was no impact, but the other 20, 25% said there there's an impact. Right. Why? Because it affects potential buyers and it affects the current buyers. Potential buyers, there are a couple reasons why it affects potential buyers. Um, but the very, very first reason that they said, you know, the, uh, the shutdown impacted potential buyers because of the uncertainty. Right. So people don't know what's going to happen. They don't know if this is going to lead to a recession or, um, you know, other issues. And so I think combined with you know, some of the, the fears just about where the housing market's going in general, what's going to happen with rates, what the Fed's going to do, um, that it's just kind of one more issue to make you wary about kind of throwing your hat in the ring. Yeah, I mean, of course, this doesn't apply to just people who work for the government. We're talking about 800,000 workers, you know, right. a lot of workers. But those that I mentioned earlier, the, the, the issues that I mentioned earlier, yeah, the uncertainty is big, a big part of it, but also they were not able to close a loan. That's a big part. Now, that's only the first week. Right. And after the first week, we were thinking, okay, well, after the first couple of weeks, if they start being able to, uh, government uh, started coming back, you know. Uh, Clear out open, those backlogs. And- it should be okay. Maybe it'll affect the first couple of weeks of closing, but it's looking more like that it's going to be prolonged to at least, you know, this end of this month, maybe even next month. Right. Um, so that that could potentially affect what uh, 10 fifteen percent of, of sales right um, and of course that's only the loan part what about the people who might be actually not receiving the checks yeah I mean right we've got like three hundred and fifty thousand or so I think that are are furloughed and then the rest are supposed to be there working um, you know and get paid later on or not receive their paychecks until some future date. It looks like a lot of those folks are actually calling in sick based on the most recent data that the these folks have you know started to call in and and that becomes tough. These are folks who make sixteen hundred bucks a week on average. Um, these are our consumers themselves, you know, regardless of the impacts that it's having on kind of the macro environment and consumer confidence and things like that. I mean, these are actually um, target middle class consumers themselves. And and, you know, with with close to 800,000 of them, you know, not making those paychecks, it it really creates just a kind of knock on effect in addition to the lack of demand from from the uncertainty and the consumer confidence portion. Yeah. And, and you know, of course, I think the. Those who are furloughed, they may eventually get paid. I think they signed a law saying that, okay, well, they will get paid, uh, you know, when, when this is all over and done. But these are only the furloughed workers. The contractors are the ones who actually didn't get paid also. They will never get their paycheck back. So it has, you know, direct impact on the, consu- on the uh, economy. 
which kind of gets us to this question of like which one of these effects are temporary versus permanent right i mean the government's eventually going to reopen we're going to start to see all these um, public services come back online and things like that um but the but the furloughs right those people you know are going to get some of their their money back but then the contractors and stuff i mean that money is just gone that is gone i mean if it's the the longer it goes on you know the the, the less money they have and that loss of output is forever gone and of course, it affects consumer spending too. But some of the consumer spending, you know, could be okay. Well, I may not go out to eat right away, but you know, next month or next, you know, a uh, couple months from now, I may be able to spend some money on, let's say, some electronic item. Right. But you know, th- there will be some permanent stuff, uh, such as the contractors. But there's also the uh, the confidence issues. Right. You know, when we talk about uh, damage that is a little bit more permanent, if it's just one week, you know, that will go away. But we're s- slowly seeing that the consumer confidence started uh, waning. Um, when when we're talking about, you know, the government shutting down for like, let's say a month, two months, we're actually looking at um, actual uh, inc- decrease in GDP based on some of this yeah. uh, analysis from Moody's or from Bloomberg. It looks like you know if we're shut if we shut down the uh, government for about a month, the GDP is going to go down by about fifty basis point. Yeah, and I mean we're already struggling to stay above three percent in terms of overall GDP growth, and and so that takes us then below trend, right? And right. That's, you know, future uh, hiring that isn't going to happen at lower levels of growth. That's less you know wage growth that we're going to have stimulated and things like that. Uh, you know, and I think that the longer it goes on, then then the more worrisome it, it becomes for all of us out here. And so, you know, ultimately, I think that uh, this isn't really, regardless of where you fall on the kind of philosophical arguments, this is actually doing uh, some, some damage over the short run and potentially even over the long run uh, as we kind of let this stuff go on. So Absolutely. Um, um- one more thing, of course, there's always a silver lining. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> now, when the, when the economy is not doing well and the shutdown continues, it's going to slow down the economic growth. It also paints a, 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 an uncertainty picture for the Federal Reserve. Right, and so I think that we're already kind of reaping some of the benefits, quote-unquote, on that, if you will. We've already seen rates come down from, I think there were over 5 in late November, and now we're down into the 4.45 or even low. I haven't checked the dailies today, um, but you know they've come down about 50 basis points. So our buyers have gotten a bit of a reprieve on that front. It definitely looks like the Fed will have to uh, pump their brakes this year and right. not go after the two rate hikes that they were planning on doing. I still think you might see one, um, but definitely going to be a much slower burn on the on the increase in rates than what was initially thought so you know to the extent that you can find um, some good news out of lots of people not working and a kind of political impasse that we're in i think that would would be it but uh you know yeah i think ultimately that's that's where we've been the first couple weeks of the year right we have the final closure on what we saw happen in 2018 we have obviously the campfire stuff to worry about um, and we will keep you guys posted on what goes on with this government shutdown. Yeah, maybe next time we'll still be talking about it. Who knows? I hope that's not the case. <laughs> but if it is, then you guys will be the first to know. We'll definitely keep you posted in the next couple of weeks or so. Um, we are hoping that this year we will have an episode done every couple of weeks or so. So stay tuned. And thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.